mindfulness mode. Move forward and play with our creativity in a way that feels good. Mindful Tribe, you know, we talk a lot about creativity on the show. And you know that I'm a person that loves creativity because I love music. From the time I was a young kid, I was always creating music and practicing music and then doing music to earn a living. And then, uh, you know, all kinds of art is, has been part of my life. But today we have someone who is all about creativity and I'm really happy that we're going to be talking about creativity and we're going to be talking about art and mindfulness and I mean this is my wheelhouse for sure and it probably is yours that's probably one of the reasons you're here well today I am featuring Cynthia Hawk Cynthia are you in mindfulness mode today (laughs) I am thanks so much for having me here Bruce it's my pleasure. I'm really happy to to have you here on the show. So this is really going to be fun. Tell us, what does mindfulness mean to you, Cynthia? Mm, I love that question. Mindfulness for me, I equate it often to space. It's a, a way and a being and a choice to be present in the current moment without judgment. And um to, for me to perhaps be more in tune with what's happening with sensations in my body or with thoughts or feelings uh, and to not have as much of an attachment to the running tape that my mind can can have alongside that um, naturally and automatically. And uh, so I, I equate mindfulness a lot with space and I see it as a foundation, a foundational way that I can choose to show up in life and also then show up in other practices or meditation in other ways later. Well, tell us how you use art to reach people and to help people become more, well, grounded, to help them become more, uh, I would just say, happier in their life. Mm, Yeah, I've often found a lot of the people that I work with and that I connect with that there can be the struggle sometimes to meditate or to let go of the hold that sometimes our inner critic can have on us and to enjoy and drop into the present moment or even when we're creating something, whether that's art or music, um, to be able to step into that without as much judgment. And so a lot of the work that I do is combining mindfulness and art practices together Uh, as a way to soften that container so we can drop into our creativity without as much judgment and that we can drop into our body and our breath and um, and have these moments of what I like to think of as being held in a container and so a lot of people that I work with they do tend to feel less stressed calmer they're able to focus more and there's more of a a connection and appreciation for what we're creating with the artwork that feels, um, I don't want to say easier because it's not easier, but that uh, that can sometimes be a new way that we didn't realize we could interact with our creativity. Um, and I find I, I taught yoga for many years and practiced yoga. And there's often that saying of, you know, what we do on the mat then translates to off the mat and out into the world. So a lot of these practices that we're doing with art and creativity and combining that with mindfulness, I find in that moment, we can feel more centered and grounded and less stressed. And then also when we're not 
on the page if we're you know writing or drawing or painting when we're not on the page and we're out in the world later that also it's like just building a muscle so we can slowly drop into that more and more cynthia you've created a book called the mindful art workbook for self-care what was your goal with this project Mm, that's a great question so that is a, a very short um, digital workbook. So it's mm -hmm. about 15 pages long. I have some longer workbooks that I've created for my teacher trainings that are like over 100 pages and much more dense. This smaller workbook, really the intention was an introduction to uh, for people if they're curious about what is mindful art or mindful meditative art. Um, so that foundation, but then also some smaller ways and practices that we can notice. How do we potentially self-sabotage ourselves in gen general? How do we self-sabotage when it comes to our creativity? How can we use mindfulness and these small tips and suggestions to shift us into creative momentum? Um, and there's a life balance wheel and ways that we can just notice how we're feeling in our lives overall. So it's a way to just kind of dip your toes into a deeper exploration of mindful art. Well, let's dig in to that word balance because I interview a lot of people and some people are not very comfortable with the word balance. I think it scares mm. people. What are your thoughts about the word balance? Mm, that's a great question. So <laughs> I consider balance as um, something that is flexible and movable and always changing. I think many years ago when I would strive for balance, and I say strive because I think I had a lot of effort towards trying to achieve balance, whatever that meant for me. And um, really what I was doing at that time is I was trying to to have something within a box that I felt comfortable with. I was trying to have everything kind of be in this place that felt good. And now instead, what I notice, I equate balance more with um, presence and with equanimity and um, with permission. And so much of what I do with mindful art, both for myself and in my teaching, is often around permission because I find that um, we have so many rules and rigidity and ways that we're trying to kind of structure things for ourselves and achieve things and have this, you know, fit into this box. And really often I find more so what helps for me and with the people I work with is we need permission to be in the moment and not have all these judgmental thoughts. And we need permission to create in a way that feels good to us. And that balance, the life balance wheel that I mentioned there's a, a few variations of it, but really it's looking at eight different categories in your life and noticing how satisfied or dissatisfied you are with them. So you have that awareness and you can make different choices. But what I often mention to people when I share that exercise is that that wheel, in my experience, it's never completely full in all the categories. It oftentimes can look sort of like a spider. So one area feels really full and other area feels really low. And I often mention it's similar to our breath, the same way that our breath changes from moment to moment, our satisfaction or dissatisfaction with different areas in our lives also changes. And it's a reflection for me of just where I am right now, considering circumstances. And so, so it's a tool, it's an awareness tool really. Um, and I think so often with mindfulness, it's just noticing those things and not attaching the story and judgment. So 
Yeah, I appreciate your explanation of that. I think it comes down to mnemonics. You know, certain words have impacts on mm. us and and we can deal with that. We can stop and say, hey, just a second, why does that word affect me the way it affects me? Mm. I know that one of my guests, Andre Young, says he prefers the word harmony to the word balance. Mm. And then he explains why. And, you know, I'm, I'm open to that. I get that. But I really like your ex explanation, too. So you talked about the eight different uh, categories in your life. Would you like to tell us a little more detail about that? I think that sounds interesting. Mm. I think it can, it's so personal. It can really mm -hmm. vary depending on what's important to each person. And so as an example, one of the categories that can typically be found on there is uh, around your relationship, if you're in relationship. Well, I'm single, I've been single for a while. And so for me, I, and I change that category to be self-love or my, mm. own, um, my own connection to myself. There's, there's also the option, you can have a category around like work or finances or spirituality. Mm -hmm. But again, everybody has something that is important to them and how they define it for themselves. So maybe spirituality is personal development or maybe um, work is their calling or their their creative passion projects. So I, I mentioned in that um, workbook, I give an example of different categories and then how people can personalize it for themselves. Yeah. I'm really interested in your uh, five minute mindful art activities. Can you tell us about those? I'd love to. It's one of my favorite uh, practices. <laughs> so five minute mindful art activities, again, essentially is combining mindfulness and art practices together. A lot of times I also combine meditation in those practices. They're five minutes because what I've found for myself and again, for a lot of my students, is one of the barriers or limitations to starting is often this feeling that we don't have time or we you know we don't have an hour to invest in a practice whether that's meditation or art or creativity and oftentimes people have told me they even feel guilty like taking that time for themselves if they're a parent or if they have a lot of job responsibilities so to prioritize our self-care or whatever that practice looks like for us i had started doing one and two and five minute practices um, and i would set a timer and i would just dip my toes in and what i found is that typically once I do that for one, two or five minutes, then I have good momentum and I want to continue. And for the students I share it with, um, if they find that's the only amount of time that they have, you know, it's similar to doing breath work for one or five minutes. We can have a, sh a really a profound shift that can happen in a short amount of time. And so some of the practices, just as an example, is I have a drawing the breath meditation practice that I'll do for those two or five minutes. And as you're making marks on the page, as you inhale, you're just moving your pen upward. And then as you exhale, moving the pen downward. And when you notice that natural pause that we have at the top of our inhalation or at the bottom of our exhalation, with that pause, you're just gently curving around with the pen. So what I love about it, about those practices, is that they're really simple, they're short, we don't have to create a lot of time, so it removes barriers. And then also it's it's so immediate to sync up our breath and making a mark on the page and seeing as feedback, we're really seeing ourselves on the page outside of us to notice sensations and thoughts and breath. 
Um, so that's one. I also do a body scan meditation for those five minutes. And again, just making marks and using colors and textures to to express what we're feeling in the body. So I find having something outside of ourselves on the page is a really nice way to to also detach and not have as much judgment about what we're noticing. And I find can be really accessible for a lot of people. Like I have some students that have tried meditation and they don't want to sit on a cushion and have their eyes closed, right? And so it's just another way that um, we all naturally sort of doodle, you know, when we're sitting in meetings or it's, it's, I think, just a really natural way that we can drop into those practices. So those are some examples of the five-minute mindful art activities. Oh, that's cool. Cynthia, I'd like to take you into one of your uh, real-life mindful art workshops that you've held. And if you could describe to us the energy that is in the room and the feeling that that is just there and how you move through it. And then maybe share a little bit about some feedback you've received from maybe one of the participants. Mm, I love that question. So... What's coming to mind for me is I had a uh, mindful art workshop online as part of a larger summit. I do larger retreats for people so they can uh, do these practices from the comfort of their home. And and especially over the last couple of years, that was a really nice way to connect. And so one of the practices that I was sharing is what I like to call meditative watercolor doodling. (laughs) And uh, so it's really simple. You don't need previous art experience. What I've often found, and with this particular time, what can happen when we're first beginning is there can be a mixture of feelings. So there can be a curiosity and excitement to try some of the practices. And also the inner critic, I find, can be really strong. A lot of um, students make comments around the fact that they were judged about their art making when they were younger, or they're not sure if they're doing it right or they have really specific questions um, about, you know, am I doing this part of the practice right or wrong? So what I like to really share as a reminder, and I do it for myself all the time too, is just, again, that permission and expressing that there's no right or wrong way to do these practices. And it's really um, a tool to be in the present moment and to play with creativity as a form of meditation and mindfulness without that judgment. Uh, one woman particular, in particular with this workshop, she uh, did the practice, which is having watercolors on the page first, and you place them down in a way where it creates really interesting organic shapes. And then you basically find and discover the shapes on the page and you trace them with your pen. So I like to think of it like a reverse coloring book, <laughs> but you're creating mm-hmm. your own uh, imagery there. And it can be really calming because you're slowing down you're hearing the sounds of the marks on the page. And so there's a really beautiful shift that I can witness, um, even with that online workshop when we're together, of people really dropping in and slowing down. And a lot of those nerves tend to settle. And um, and so this woman, though, what what I found most interesting is she shared after the fact with this online retreat that her seven-year-old son who kept having tantrums and they had tried different things that he was really curious about her picture and so she showed it to him 
and she said that she that he was so excited for the next week he would go up to his room and he'd have his own time with these watercolors that and marks and that she noticed he had less tantrums that he was doing better in school it was a really um i remember when i read her comment that she shared with the whole group and and shared pictures that i had like goosebumps and and you know it was just tearing up a little bit because it's so beautiful to not only have your own experience, but to model that and have your child have this profound shift. Wow, that is a fantastic story. And uh, I mean, I'm sure that you're having that effect over and over and over again, but in this instance, you were able to actually see what was really happening and uh, and hear that feedback. So that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Wow, that gives me goosebumps too. That's really great how art can make such a difference in people's lives. So Cynthia, I want to ask you a question about bullying because I've worked in bullying prevention for a long time. And uh, I just want to ask you if you can share a story with us about bullying where mindfulness maybe would have made a difference. Um, I love that you're doing that work because the world needs it. Thank <laughs> uh, you. So I was bullied actually when I was much younger. I had uh, extra weight on me as a, a kiddo. And I remember when I was in, um, it was still in elementary school and I would get teased and bullied a lot around my extra weight. And while I didn't have a practice of mindfulness then, which would have been beautiful, and also for those that were bullying me, um, I can definitely see that by having mindfulness introduced for adults or children when there is bullying happening, that um, it could offer a place of awareness of just noticing for them of what is happening, an awareness of, of these narratives and tapes that we have and that there's all these different narratives um, and to not have as much judgment around that. And I think probably the biggest part that comes to mind for me is this um, resiliency with our nervous system by having mindfulness and by having that non-judgment um, that perhaps even you know as a child I could notice sensations and where I'm feeling anxiety in my body or or um, noticing that I'm holding my breath and have ways that I could take care of myself in that moment and also connect with those who would be supportive for me um, but also I think the um, the aggression that can come through with bullying, um, that that for those who are bullying with mindfulness that um, that any wounds that, that they themselves are feeling, you know, that it could offer a place of compassion and holding for everybody involved. Um, so, so yeah, we can just tend to ourselves better. And I believe when when we do have awareness and mindfulness and compassion, that instances like that of um, name calling or making people the other just automatically dissipates because there's this, um, or I would imagine it would have a strong impact. Um, Yeah, but I don't have any firsthand experience of working directly with bullying, but I could definitely see that that awareness and resiliency and compassion could really make a difference. Well, Cynthia, I know you have free resources on your YouTube channel and your website is mindfulcreativemuse.com. And uh, so that sounds like a great place to visit. Is that a good place for 
teachers and parents to visit and maybe can they use some of these activities with students in school or your children at home? Yeah, I actually, there's a school that reached out to me from the UK that they were playing some of the, um, one of the drawing the breath videos that I have on my YouTube channel that actually was set up for adults, but they were sharing it at their primary school with their children and they would start the day every day with that and they they had reached out to me. So there are definitely um, videos on my YouTube channel that um, I hear and see comments all the time where people say, even if they're not doing the practice, like if they don't have pens or watercolors, just by watching the practices, that they feel calmer and that they're having these benefits of noticing because I'm naming, you know, I'm walking through different ways of noticing sensations and thoughts. Um, so definitely that is available. And then on my website, I have different resources like books and recommendations um, and some free downloads. And then I have my workshops and my teacher trainings and the teacher trainings are available for adults who either work with other adults or who work with children as well. Um, and so if anyone's wanting to step into that work more or they're curious about it, there's a lot of information there at the mindfulcreativemuse.com. Okay, well, thanks for putting that all out there mm -hmm. for everyone in the world to take take advantage of. As we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So mm -hmm. just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Mm. Um, so I lived at a yoga center for a year, Kripalu. And I had an advisor mentor for that year. Her name is Christina, and we're since still friends and stay, have stayed connected. But I remember that she she would share and and hold me accountable around mindfulness through the yoga classes and the program we were doing. But one thing that was most powerful in connecting with her was I remember she talked about um, like introducing the and that it didn't, something didn't have to be either or, that I didn't have to place judgment around things and, and having mindfulness be more of a container that I can be dropped into and, and that powerful word of and, uh, of embracing things. So yeah, she was a huge influence in my life. Mm, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting perspective. I wanna ask you, my number two question is about emotions and how mindfulness has helped you deal differently with your emotions. Mm. Yeah, mindfulness and mindful art, just because I combine them so commonly, mm -hmm. has been hugely supportive for myself through my own emotional journey. When I was a teenager, I had started um, actually doing oil painting with Bob Ross at home. Oh, I, yeah. I think he's a master mindful art teacher, one of the first that... that Truly. Yeah. Um, and so I remember when I would, you know, paint these happy trees and play with my own creative world on on the painting and noticing things that I would feel so much more calm and uh, relaxed and was able to work through a lot of anxiety that I had at the time. And then later in my late 20s, I had a cancer diagnosis and I went through surgery and radiation. And at that time, I really discovered a practice of combining mindfulness with collage and writing and a lot of self-reflection. And that was so huge for me of being able to sit with the emotions and the grief that I had at the time around all of that and to to be able to offer such care and compassion to myself. And I think mindfulness 
through the collage practice that I was using was just so, so huge and such a gift that I could could give myself. So there's so many examples, which is why I love this work. Um, but yeah. absolutely, it's helped me emotionally tune in and notice what's happening with my emotions and not have as much judgment and have more compassion. And because of that, then I'm able to feel more relaxed and, and less anxious or stressed. Very good. Excellent. Number three, and uh, we've got to keep this to 30 seconds. So number oh, okay. three is about breathing. So tell us about breathing, any insights into breathing or thoughts that you want to share with us? Mm. Yeah, I think the the breath is an interesting thing to track and notice how it shifts and changes all the time and can be amazing feedback for us. So, yeah. Yeah. Can you recommend a book that's somehow related to mindfulness besides some of the, you know, mindful art workbooks you've created? Yeah, I love anything by John Kabat-Zinn. Um, I love anything really by Pema Chodron. Um, one book that is not commonly thought of with mindfulness is Waking the Tiger by Peter Levine. He talks a lot about sensations in the body and trauma. And so that's one of my favorite books. And then um, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron is also not a typical mindfulness book, but so much of what she teaches and shares is about how to be aware of our creativity. Um, and I think she infuses a lot of mindfulness uh, without having it really be named that. Very good. We'll put those ideas into our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. So Mindful Tribe, check that out. And my last question is about an app. Are there any apps at all that you use or that you recommend that can be somehow create, uh, can, connected to mindfulness? I really love Insight Timer. Um, there's especially a Yoga Nidra meditation by Jeremy Wolf, who's a, a local teacher up in Colorado where I live, um, that I listen to probably almost daily. <laughs> um, so, oh, do you? Yeah, I really love that. Um, and I think there's so many amazing teachers and resources on there for mindfulness, and so much of it you can have you know, a free subscription. So I think it's really lovely what they do at Insight Timer. Oh, it is. It's amazing. I'm going to check out Jeremy Wolf myself on Insight Timer. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Okay. Well, I sure appreciate you being on the show. And as we wrap up the interview, do you have any final words of advice for our listeners? Mm, um, I think so much of our journey and exploration with creativity is really unique and personal. And um, what I really try to share is that permission piece, but also noticing what might be blocking us from even beginning. And um, so having that awareness um, so we can perhaps move forward and play with our creativity in a way that feels good. So that's the main thing that, that I would mention. Awesome. The website is mindfulcreativemuse.com. So Cynthia, thanks so much for being on the show today. Oh, thanks for having me, Bruce. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye now. Bye-bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening to the show today. I want to thank Grammarly. Grammarly is one of my sponsors, and they really help me by quickly pointing out spelling or grammatical errors in all of my writing. And I find I can write faster and more accurately using this great app. You can get started using Grammarly for free. It works on your desktop applications. It works on sites across the web. It can work on apps, social media, documents, messages, emails. Use my affiliate link to get going right away. 
this will benefit me and you. So just go to mindfulnessmode.com slash Grammarly, and that's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y. And with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.